Welcome to the third episode of In The Zone, a podcast with business tips and interviews on making a difference in your business. I'm your host, Sean Matthews, and I'm delighted to be interviewing Frank Price, CEO of RFBI, Royal Freemasons Benevolent Institution. Welcome, Frank, to In The Zone. Thanks, Sean. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about uh for the people that aren't aware of uh, your organisation, just a little bit about what RFBI does. Sure. RFBI is a leading aged care provider. Um, we provide residential aged care, home care and retirement villages uh, throughout New South Wales and the ACT through 22 different locations. Um, we've been around for 140 years. This is our 140th year of existence, making us one of the oldest charities in Australia. And a lot of people, because of our name, assume that we're part of the Masonic Lodge, but in actual fact, we were formed well before them. And uh, we were formed by a group of Freemasons back in 1880 that were out there to help uh, other Freemasons who had fallen upon tough times. Um, And we've evolved um, over the last 140 years to now be primarily aged care providers. And although we're not part of the Freemasonry, we do maintain the Masonic heritage of helping those in need. Fantastic. I, I believe last year you won an award from AXA and you were recognised. Yeah, that was that was a real pleasant surprise. In 2019, AXA uh, awarded us the, um, the Australian or the National Edge Care Provider of the Year Award, which it's really nice to, to be recognised by your peers. Having said that, I'm, it certainly doesn't make running aged care or being in aged care uh, any easier. I wish it did. But it was a great recognition, and um, we've been a little bit cheeky because the, um, they didn't have the awards this year, so we're unofficially the aged care provider of the year two years running. I'm not sure how AXA feels about that, though. <laughs> Fantastic. Look, um, aged care's been hit pretty hard by um, COVID, and, mm. and how RFBI managed uh, through the pandemic? Um, especially, you know, it's been challenging, especially for aged care, given the elderly are, are mostly affected uh, from this uh, terrible pa- pandemic. Yeah, look, the risk to aged care residents in particular, and you know, to older people in general, but aged care residents in particular, has been played out in, um, in Victoria most recently and definitely overseas, where we've seen the death rate in aged care has been ridiculously high. Um, when the when COVID or when lockdown first happened in New South Wales, the news we were getting was from overseas, and the shocking news that was coming out of places like um, like for me Spain was the scariest one, uh, but in in many other countries, we made the decision right at the beginning. We were one of the first uh, providers to basically stop all forms of visits um, until we knew what was going on. Our I'm very lucky. Our board put people ahead of profit. Now, you know, that's a throwaway line, but we, we can back it. We put people ahead of profit. We thought we need to ensure, and this might sound a bit strange at first, but hear me out. We, we thought we need to protect our workforce. We need to make them feel safe. We need to make them feel safe for their financial and in that their, their job is safe. We had to make them feel safe from a health perspective, from an emotional perspective, because if as management and as the CEO and as the board, if we can make sure that our staff are not worrying about these other ex- externalities, 
then they can concentrate on what they do and that is looking after our residents. So our focus was on let's do what we do, look after our workforce so that our workforce can look after our residents. So we, we created a crisis management team right up front and we were meeting every workday, every day and that crisis management team was made up of um, senior, senior managers as well as a number of directors and through that CMT, this crisis management team, we put in place a lot of um, initiatives to, as much as possible, uh, keep the virus out of the facility. Fantastic. And, and, and the results from that uh, are, are very clear? Well, I think the results from that and a lot of luck, yeah. because I've no doubt that other aged care providers who have had the virus come in have also put in um, good systems, but certainly the results from that have, have certainly helped us from a, um, a virus pr perspective. However, you know, it came at a cost. You know, we spent a lot of money on PPE. We started stockpiling PPE in March. We saw the writing on the wall. We saw what was happening, and we we had to we had to make sure we were self reliant. There was no guarantee that the national stockpile was even there at the time, and in hindsight, it turns out that they were obviously having problems. We had to ensure that our, our workforce was cohorting, mm. so that there was the reduced risk of uh, contamination. We were paying casuals to stay home when they were unwell um, until they got their COVID swab results back, and that could have been back then two, three, four days. And we, we were paying all staff, but including casuals, because we didn't want a casual staff member coming to work because they needed the money and bringing the virus in with them. Mm. So the cost, the cost impact has been quite, it's been, well, it's been extreme. But that's where, with the full support of the board, we did put our people ahead of our profits and I'm not happy to say that our results, our financial results for the year ending June were probably the worst in our 140 year history. But no one batted an eyelid because we looked at what was more important. Well, I think all things considered, 2020 has been a, a, a anus horribilis for a lot of companies and <laughs> um, to use a, a, a term. Um, but um, you know, for you to um, to focus on people before profit is a, is a, a classic example of you know getting through a, a, a very challenging process when you are dealing with a lot of people that are looking after people that are elderly and need Correct. the care that they need. So um, uh, kudos to, to you for that and and the board for for doing that. Um, just with the, um, the the processes, you 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 came up with a um, the crisis management team, you you put pandemic management plan, COVID drills, that seems to have created a, a, a better outcome for your organisation. I know you said it's a bit of luck, but I think that luck is made from well, the fact that you've, you've got all these processes and plans in place. Strong believer that the harder you work, the luckier you become. Um, but let's not put aside the fact that there is a lot of luck because you know, one of the outbreaks in New South Wales was an asymptomatic employee and that could just as easily have been one of our locations. I guess the benefit we had was we had systems in place to firstly stop the virus from entering, yeah. but then we had systems in place to mitigate the risk if the virus did enter. Yeah. Uh, we, also, we also looked a little left, left field, I suppose, and. Um, we made sure that we were able to secure a supply of food should we have an outbreak 
and it's our kitchen staff that um, fell ill. So in conjunction with with a former celebrity chef, uh, Jeff Jantz, if you're listening, still love you. Uh, we were able to put in place three days worth of meals at every one of our locations um, that anyone who doesn't normally work in the kitchen but knows how to turn on an oven would be able to provide the meals for. Um, and that we found, we needed to, I guess we needed to look at all of our risk points and how could we mitigate them. Uh, we quadrupled the number of people, which is only from one to four, mind you, the number of people in our payroll section, uh, because if our payroll officer fell ill and no one else knew how to process the pays, where would we stand if I've got 2,300 people who are not being paid and are putting themselves at risk every day? Yeah. So we invested in that. We employed, we increased our total workforce somewhere between 10 and 15% in the first six weeks, yeah. just in case we would lose people. And also because we wanted to make sure that our residents who are not seeing families as yeah. uh, for normal visits would have more leisure and lifestyle activities and more people to just simply spend time with them. Because yeah. we wanted to keep life in the village as normal as possible. It's like the proverbial duck. We wanted the village to be the duck above water and the rest of us were paddling as fast as we could to make sure that we're, we're providing the services that we're meant to. Right. There's, there's been a lot of negative media around aged care sector and, and of course the outcomes of the Royal Commission into aged care and quality and safety. What are the positives that you're seeing in the sector? I mean, um, from your point of view. Yeah, Sean. Unfortunately, there's always neg- negativity. Um, that's that's a matter. That's a you know, that's fact in life. Um, yeah, there's you cannot keep everyone happy all of the time. All you can do is do what you do to the best of your abilities. Um, I believe there's a lot more positive in aged care, a lot more positive in aged care than there is negativity. Sure, there are instances where we have a chronic case of um, of things being done incorrectly. And then there's the case when you you just, you stuff up. People stuff up, it happens. And it's not the fact that you stuffed up, it's what you do about it. Now from, and if I can just give an example about the negativity in media. We recently had, in the last, a couple of weeks back, we had what we called mental moments. It was a play on the words of uh, play on words, and it was Mental Health Week, and we wanted to acknowledge the the concern or the the risk of mental health in the aged care industry. Interestingly, we got a lot of sponsors to come on board. We got a lot of celebrities supporting us because it really does affect more than aged care, but. Being an aged care provider, we wanted to concentrate in on our workforce. But the interesting point was that the national media, they got on, they got involved. They spoke to Ian Thorpe because he he was there on the day, and they spoke to Imogen Anthony, who was um, there on the on one of the days, and our logo was in the background, which was nice. But they never spoke to us. But I have no doubt that if an aged care employee, as a result of a mental health issue, did something which was inappropriate, struck a resident or uh, anything as bad as that, that would have made the headlines. Mm. The response of a mental health problem would have made the headlines. The fact that we've got a problem, well, that that wasn't newsworthy. And I found that very disappointing. We can all have issues. We can all have negativities. We've got to look for the positives. I think, you know, as, as I say, good news never makes the media. Um, 
I look at I look at some of the great initiatives that I know aged care providers have done. I know the wonderful things that RFBI has done over the last few years and one of the reasons why we did get our provider of the year was because of the improvement in the quality of life we're providing to our residents. None of that really matters, out, seems to matter outside of the industry. Yeah. I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say that, look, some of the, um, uh, how has uh, technology impacted um, your organisation and, and, and the changes that are happening in technology at yeah. the moment? Because that's, that's, some of that's a real positive as well. Because oh, absolutely. Yeah, interesting, you know, we've heard the, the stats that 50% of residents don't receive uh, visitors in pre-COVID. What we've done, along with what the industry has done, I should say, is we've introduced technology to a point where uh, you don't, doesn't matter where you are on the planet, you're still able to dial in and see your grandma. Yeah, we've put smart TVs uh, and we're rolling it out. The, the plan is to put smart TVs in everybody's room, which means that they, with a camera, they're able to communicate. You're able to send your photos from your holiday so Nan or Pop can, can see it. Um, we've, we've introduced a product called Life Size. It's a Zoom equivalent, I suppose. And it took a bit of skilling up for our workforce as well because not only do our residents not understand technology, some of our workforce didn't. But we're able to turn it around in a very short period of time. That's the one thing that COVID has done. It's made just about everybody more nimble, more agile, ability to respond. What may have taken months to roll out took weeks. So yes, I think the technology has been great and it's also given us an opportunity to do virtual tours. You know, if usually when someone starts thinking about age, going into aged care, it's because there's been an incident, the person's in hospital, the discharge planner says, mum can't go home anymore, they've got to go into an aged care facility and all of a sudden it becomes an urgent um, reaction. Well, now we've got online tours. So whilst you're at the hospital, have a look and see what this organisation or this facility has to offer. And it gives you more informed, gives you more time to make those decisions. Fantastic. Just um, touching on the mental moments, because that was, um, I watched a few of those shows and it reminded me a lot about the uh, Mark Walsall uh, midday show um, and it was quite entertaining uh, and I just wanted to understand where did the idea come from and, and, and what were the outcomes you were trying to achieve with the initiative? I was uh, recruiting a prospective director um, and I hope Sophie doesn't mind me mentioning her name and she asked me what keeps me up at night and what I said to her, what keeps me up at night is my workforce. I'm concerned for their mental well-being. Um, I talk to my staff on a regular basis, and and sometimes they talk to me on a, on a regular basis, which is an interesting uh, outcome. But and what I what the messaging I was hearing was they haven't been to the hairdresser up until recently. They hadn't been to the hairdresser for six months because they were concerned that they might be the one who uh, become asymptomatic because hairdressers they saw as a, as a risk area I don't know if, I don't, don't know whether or not they are but some staff saw that as a risk area and they were too scared to go to the hairdresser in case they became asymptomatic and brought the virus in or other staff who had young children who are at school and the children's friends have got a cough and they're saying should I be coming to work or not 
This is 24 seven. This has been going on every single day. This wears you out. Mm. You know, I, at head office, I'm in head office here, my workforce, we said work from home. Dial in and work from home. You cannot work from home in aged care. This is people looking after people. And I had this concern. So when I raised it with Sophie, she said, well, we need to do something about it. Mental Health Week's coming up. It's only six weeks away, so we might have to do it the next year, 2021. And I said, no, we'll do it 2020. I don't care how good or bad it is. I think we need to acknowledge our workforce now. And well, with a lot of elbow grace, we made it happen. And um, my hat off to Sophie Wong for, for what she did. She pulled a lot of strings. I just had to show up and uh, try and look pretty and get my workforce on side. But it was, a, it was wonderful. Yeah. We had 2,300 staff who, dialed, who tuned in every day. We had 2,500 um, aged care and retirement village residents who dialed in every day. We had over 13,000 people watch the show. It was beyond expectation. We had so many corporates who came on board and I would get emails saying, my mum was in aged care and I saw the care, the quality of care and the love that they gave my mother. And you know, it, it does, it brings a tear to your eye when you see all this good news. But there's always the naysayers. There's always yeah. the people who will find fault. Mm. But the fault is less than half a percent of what's going on. The true, the number of interactions that an aged care work, a worker has with a resident is, I did the sums when, when the, when the uh, Royal Commission's um, uh, interim report came out and I worked out that the number of complaints, and I'm not diminishing or belittling those complaints because they're valid and they need to be aired, but they represented a fraction of a percent of the number of interactions that aged care workers have with, with, our, with the people we look after. Mm. Why doesn't that make the press? Mm. That's... Again, because it's probably not as negative um, and negative news seems to sell uh, or get people to watch. Unfortunately. So, yeah, which is a shame in this day and age when we're going through such major uh, turmoil and, 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 and challenges that we've, um, we've got to go down that pathway. But, uh, that that's another story for another time. Um, so that look, it was brilliant. Um, again, how the sponsors come on board. I understand Link put in thirty over thirty thousand dollars worth of chocolates. Did you have enough chocolate there to keep you going oh, for quite some time? I think uh, I'm scared that we might it might run out past its use by date, and um, the COVID body is getting a little bit chubbier as a result as well. <laughs> it's excellent, and and really, it's really good the support, the overwhelming support you got from corporates because they really could see the. The benefit, and um, as a, a person that watched the show, I uh, yeah, ab- absolutely uh, was enjoyable. It, it sort of brought me uh, brought me back a bit in time. Uh, we actually um, indirectly were told that maybe we should bring the show back as a as a daytime show. Um, there's a there's a gap in the industry. Not our calling though. No. I, I think we'll stick to aged care. <laughs> but it was good feedback nonetheless. Excellent. Look, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you believe the aged care sector and the government can do better to provide improved outcomes for aged care organisations and the community? Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of uh, toing and froing from um, the government to the aged care sector and back and forth and back and forth. And I just want to know your views on that and, and what you see as a, a, a way forward. Aged care as it stands, is a reflection of government policy. 
we are, government policy will direct the way in which aged care will go. It's, it's like a river and if you put, if you put a you know, bit of dirt on this side, the river will turn to the other and it's not, it's not an open market. And it doesn't meet the consumer expectations. So what's, done, what's happened is we, it's led us into an institutional style of care. Now, I think what we need to do is we need to basically dismantle and reassemble. And we're going to say what? Yeah, institutional housing has gone out of the, is no longer in existence. People that used to live in institutional housing now live in the same street as you and I. We don't have these housing ghettos. We don't, and you know, I can tell you as an old um, um, public housing boy myself, mm. and having you know, spent a fair whack of my uh, formative, formative years in it, it's not the way, that's not the way society is, except for aged care. We put people in a 100-plus bed aged care facility because the economies of scale, the, the, uh, the, the policies and the funding means that that is the only way that you can make it work. But it's no longer working. Financially, aged care is no longer working. And from a consumer perspective, it's not working. I know that I don't want to go into what is a current aged care uh, arrangement when my time comes. So we need to say, well, what is aged care of the future? And my personal position is that just because I turn a certain age or just because I have a certain ailment and I'm of a certain age doesn't mean I should be treated different to the way I'm treated now. I want to live in my home. You want to live in your home. Up to a point where you can no longer do that. And I would think there's only two, in, in my perspective, there are only two points when that ceases to happen. When you're palliating, or when you're, you have a level of dementia that it is unsafe for you to stay home. And I believe that aged care as we know it now should and will become end of life and high end dementia. Mm. That evolution is going to cost, not only financially, but it's going to change and it's going to change who is in the industry. I think eventually we should be staying at home. Now, the question is, what is home? Mm. Is it the family home that you live in now? Is it a retirement village where you have people of similar um, age, similar likes, people that you can uh, associate with? I think that's what it'll be. Mm. I think it'll be aged care will, will be, uh, you, will have, you will own the license, mm. you'll own, and you can have it wherever it works for you. But there's an evolution in getting us to that point. Yeah. I think the other two, uh, the other point as well is, you know, uh, what was aged care meant to replace hospitals? Yeah. Was, you know, because the level of uh, scrutiny and regulation in aged care at the moment, it prohibits... It's, it's, you know, the cost of what the government wants to give versus what clinically is mm. possible. And they're trying to run a model that they're trying to have people in a, a hospital environment mm. but charged uh, a smaller amount. Yeah. When you compare the comparisons of the, both hospital and aged care, there's very, very, very big differences in, Huge in differences. quality of care. And the, you know, a day in hospital will cost... The funding for a day in hospital is somewhere between 1600 and $2,000. A day in an aged care facility, the funding is somewhere between two hundred and two twenty to thirty dollars. That's almost ten times more funding 
to spend a day in hospital, which is fair enough because you have your you have um, you have your doctors, you have your nurses, you have your equipment. That's why it's a hospital. An aged care home is a home, and as I said right at the beginning of this point, was aged care as we know it is as a result of government policy. Government policy says that we will be get, will be funded somewhere between fifty cents and two dollars seventy an hour to provide clinical care to our residents. How is that hospital level care? Fifty cents to two dollars seventy per hour per resident. You cannot provide hospital level care. You cannot provide that level of medical attention. The community, the people out in the community, before they get involved in aged care most likely don't understand that we are funded to be a home, not to be a hospital. That's why we call them aged care homes. Now, I've got no qualms if the government says you must provide hospital level care, because I know that with it must come a tenfold increase in funding mm. to be able to finance hospital level care. My question is, why should we be hospital level care? Go back to what I said. Just because I've aged, or I've now got a, a, a health issue, why am I not entitled to go to hospital when I'm ill? Because I am entitled to go to hospital now that mm. if I'm ill. Mm. We shouldn't be discriminating against older people because of their age. They should get the same rights, the same outcomes as you or I. Agree, agree totally. Um, just a, um, a final question I wanted to ask you uh, today is, when do you think the RFBI corporate um, volunteering program will be coming back? Because I actually um, must say I've volunteered uh, for the last three and a bit years and I love it. Yeah. I love it every time I have an opportunity to see some of these people. Some of the stories you get, um, and I was a bit sad because Peter, uh, I, I think I posted a, a picture of Peter and I, um, and I was coming to see him for his 100th, but he didn't make it. and. Um, disappointing but I got to meet so many people that I saw regularly there and um, it was so much fun I, I got to understand uh, the great work you guys do but also got to meet the, the people and the history of what they've done in their lives is just outstanding so will it come back it'll is come it... back it'll it'll come back let's hope for 2021 our priority is to ensure that our residents are safe um, we recently um, started having our volunteers coming back, our day-to-day -day volunteers, and I think our corporate volunteers will be next. The beauty of that project of having corporate volunteers spending a day with us, or spending a day not doing anything, as you know, but yep. spending time with our yep. residents was twofold. You know, we've, we've got suppliers who supply us with stationery or food or, or IT or, um, or whatever it may be, accounting services. And I wanted them to understand that what they were doing was not just supplying a corporate, they're actually making a difference to the lives of our residents. Mm. And the best way to see that is to go in there and see that for yourself. See what effect your product, and especially your former product, Sean, mm. and the effect it was having on our work, on our residents. The other thing I wanted, there was so much negativity out there. I wanted independence to come in and see our workforce and see the care and attention that they actually provided to our to our residents. And it was genuine. I mean, was yeah. it, how did you oh, find it? I, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I think the, the fact that I, I sat with some of these people and we were playing bingo, 
I'll, I'll give you an example, actually. I'll give you a really great example. There was a lady there at Lake Haven who hadn't spoken in quite a long time. And I played uh, Guess That Song. And she started to sing. And her voice was like an angel, absolute angel. And I went up to her and I said, you've got a voice of an angel. The smile on her face made everything worthwhile. Just made my day, made my day. And, and I'll never forget that, um, that day. And I, I don't think she, I think she's passed, but that, t- that time I had was the, the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. And, and just w- having fun with the guys, uh, the, you know, the women and the, and, and the, uh, the men at, the, um, at Lake Haven, um, and I'll mention them because they're fantastic there. But, you know, the afternoon we had uh, men's shed and that was fun, um, especially when I said, let's, let's have, uh, when's, when's drink, drink starting? <laughs> and then out comes the, uh, oh, yeah. the ginger beer and, <laughs> and maybe the odd beer. But um, no, it was good. It was really good times. I'll tell you what, as soon as, it's, as soon as we decide that we're going to bring it back, and I'm hoping maybe February, March, yeah. if, um, if community transmissions stay as low as they are, you'll be the first to know. Oh, thanks, Frank. Well, that's the end of our uh, podcast today, but thanks, Frank, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been enlightening to hear about the wonderful work you and your team at RFBI are doing, helping and supporting the elderly community and really making a difference. Um, please go to the RFBI website, www.rfbi.com.au for more information about this great innovative aged care organisation. Thanks for listening to In The Zone. I look forward to joining you all again real soon so we can continue to make a difference in, in business 